speak a little bit to that empowerment piece when you are leading through the values and how that impacts the people who are on the front lines in, in the industries that, that, that are being served. Critically important that I should have said this too, that when you get the values and the behaviors together and you look at them collectively, it builds a brand. It also gives everyone the right to behave that way. And so we at Doubletree, when we did it, we also owned the brand Embassy Suites. And we had a policy at Embassy Suites. They had it when we actually combined and we, we merged with them. The policy was that anyone at the front desk could comp a stay if they knew that it was something that um, we shouldn't have done. So they would be comping it if the air conditioning didn't work, you know, basic things. But one day this lady came up and she said that she had had a party the night before. It was a very expensive party there. It was um, a small wedding party and she had not had a room. They forgot to give her the room and they were packed. So she and her husband, new husband, had to go stay in a place away from the family. It was it was over a $5,000 comp, but the lady at the front desk comped it. Now we tracked those comps at the end of the year. They were 4X what we comped. And so we give everybody at that front desk to this day at Embassy Suites has the right to comp the stay and to comp the whole um, experience for them if they think that it is not what the brand um, should be doing, right? But we, it just makes the point that when you give them the responsibility, I mean, it's very rare you get a $5,000 comp, but when you, when you give them the responsibility and they take it and run with it, and we thanked her, we didn't hold her and say, you know, you shouldn't have done it. Um, we comped it, she comped it because they're given the right because one of our values is that we will make sure that you're happy when you leave. And we had really high ratings on our customer sat because we didn't have them have to call a manager or anyone else. And we had those 400% some, some years, we had more than that, of the same people traveling us. We also had a back group that would watch and make sure the same person isn't constantly asking us to comp. So we put in place those things to support the fact that we were allowing them to do it, which you have to do. You have to support it. If you're going to give them responsibility, you have to support it. So we would track it behind. We definitely had the um, support and we had the financial group tracking things that we wanted to make sure that if we gave them the responsibility, no one took advantage of it. You have to do that. But at the same time, by giving them the responsibility, they took it and they ran with it. And we told those stories over and over to tell people, we want you to do that and we will hold you and we will support you when you do it. If you're going to put people in a responsibility, a position of responsibility, you need them to support them. And if they make a mistake, then we would retrain and we would spend time. If somebody thought they had to comp every, every person who said, you know, I had dust in my room. Um, but you have to put in place the support when you allow people to make those decisions and you ask them to every time. Yeah. So one of the misnomers that at least I've come across in my career leading organizations down this pathway of centering everything around your values in a people-centric environment is that the values conversations are the soft and squishy part of leading through this this way. I call it a misnomer because I think it's actually harder to lead this way and have an organization that's driven this way 
compared to just having hard metrics on it's all about the financials and it's always about the bottom line and there's really nothing else around this uh, beyond that. That's the primary focus. Talk a little bit about your experience as you've engaged with clients, especially with with People Inc. And I'm sure you've had clients that have come forward and said, yes, we want to do this. And you and your consultants probably have come in and went, yeah, at some point they're, they're not really bought into this. Um, but share a little bit about what you've experienced when you've had some of those clients or fo- or leaders that say, yeah, this is great. Let's talk about the squishy stuff. But when can we get to the hard stuff? Uh, because this stuff doesn't feel like it's, there's any, it's all subjective in their mind. Well, and you had it more often, I think, um, before, before maybe the last 10 years, because in the last 10 years, there have been great examples of companies that had great ROIs and they had absolutely fabulous numbers. Everybody uses Southwest. Their numbers exceed everybody else's. I mean, you can take any metric you want and they exceed it. Their stock has gone through the, I mean, done very well. Um, do you know that if a baggage guy has um, been there 20 years, he's a millionaire today at Southwest, if he kept his um, stock, if he kept his stock that he's given. Um, but I would tell you, you hear it a lot, but I'm more frequent, frequently, we would hear it when we started from CFOs and then the CFOs that experienced this and saw that it changed at the end of the day, the results, they became the biggest proponents. We now have CFOs that call us and ask us to do it. So I think the other thing that in combination with people seeing that those companies have done very well, that live and breathe these values, that have great customer sat, um, we don't think it's just about the employee sat. We think it's about the customer sat. And when the when the CFOs see that the customer sat uh, moves with the, with the employee sat and those things are all about values and behaviors, they start seeing a difference. And I will tell you, Raquel's book on the ultimate question, which is all about would you recommend JetBlue as a place for family and friends to work or as a place um, to fly? Raquel is doing some new work. He's with Bain and he's doing work on how the employee sat moves the customer sat. And it's all about values and behaviors. If you look at the Gen Z and Gen and um millennials and you look at what they're looking for they're looking for an organization that mirrors their values it's just that simple they want to work in a place where they're happy and they're happy when they understand and they get involved they get values also mean that you keep developing people right you care about them so you keep developing them you keep them and you watch the turnover in these companies with the values that live and breathe them it's lower it's always lower. It's really funny with the companies we work with that lived and breathed them. And by the way, we've made mistakes. If we go in and see the CEO tells us they will really want to do it, but we get in there and we see that he doesn't do it, we will withdraw and no charge, no foul. You know, we just don't do it because we know it won't work. And I think it's worse to define values and behaviors than not live them at the top, the CEO, than it is to not do it at all. Right. So it's worse when you tell people you're going to live integrity and then you're the first one to not tell them the truth. That just doesn't work. But in today's environment, I do think it's important that you get the financial side on board to show them how the return is very high on this. If people, both from a customer perspective, from a turnover perspective, 
from a recruiting perspective today, it's probably more important than it's ever been. Just my personal opinion. Oh, I would agree with you. And I think the, the statistics do back this up. You know, one of the there, I think in just about any industry, you can look at those companies who have consistently, not just one year or two years, but consistently outperformed uh, their industry uh, averages. You can almost always tie it back to an organization that is driven this way. So I think the stats absolutely back it up. I do think that there is a point at which um, people also have to understand that it's not instantaneous. Like this takes a lot of work and time and you have to build all of those things you talked about. You can't just flip things on its side and say, we're going to recruit differently tomorrow and it's going to work because it's not. It's, and you're not going to build these cultures. And I think that's the other message that you often have to say to people is that if you're using this to turn something around, you have to understand all the other things that aren't necessarily working in your turnaround because it's not necessarily going to be the magic elixir. It certainly might not have the runway to get it done um, in those circumstances. So I think it's also helping leaders who typically when you're talking to CEOs, they want it done yesterday and they want it. They want that change to be able to say this is important. And if you really buy into this, but you also have to recognize here's our pathway to do so. Um, so talk a little bit maybe about some of the clients where you did get in and you realize that the CEO may have said this is what they wanted to do. And then you realize and had to walk away because I know a lot. Of, I talk to a, a folks when I'm speaking at other events and they'll always I always tell the story of uh, towards the end of, of running my last business. Uh, I turned away more business than I took. And they were just shocked by that. They, nobody can ever understand that. And I'm like, well, but it's because I knew this wasn't something they wanted to do. So I was willing to walk away from it because I didn't want to invest time and energy or my team's time or energy into something that was never going to work. Maybe it highlights some stories. And obviously, you don't have to get specific with it because I never want to throw anybody under the bus. But of those where, where they said all the right things and you had to walk into a CEO's office and say, I don't think this is really what you want to do. And how does those, how do those conversations land? And uh, how does, how have you been able to get your team to see that as well? Because I'm assuming that they all have to have that same responsibility when they walk into those uh, engagements. That's right. And you do have to all be on the same page, which is if this looks like it's not the right um, model for them, then we need to walk. When we were, when consulting was having a huge problem, I think it was about eight years ago when it was almost a reset. I, we were going through a real tough time, eight to 10 years ago. We had this huge contract that came our way for a tech company. And we met with the CEO. We, well, first of all, we met with the management team. I should have known then. He called the meeting, but he didn't show up. So we met with the management team. The CFO was adamant that we do this and she was just terrific. She wanted it so bad. She said, we have a huge problem. We're losing our technical teams and we can't replace them. Um, it's a competency that's very difficult to find. It's a very big company and they'd gone through two mergers. They had a CEO that was showing up some days, not showing up. And they he said he wanted to start from scratch and rebuild a values-based company. And so we went in and met with the team. They were very enthusiastic. Then the CEO asked us to fly back. It was out of town, fly back um, and meet with him. We did, and he seemed to be very enthusiastic. But the first day when we do what's called a values blueprinting session where we have the team and we have all levels in the room and we talk about, okay, what are gonna be the values going forward? What are our values today? Where do, where do we wanna go with this and what's gonna get us there? Um, 
he did he came in and out he left half the time we knew it was not a good sign and then later on when we started um, talking about the values and behaviors and refining them then he all of a sudden exploded and said he didn't like any of them and we immediately the team went out of the room and we took his CFO with us and said we're sorry but this is not going to work if we don't have the commitment. She said, please stay. We need your help. Um, but we went in to talk to him. And when we went to talk to him, he just was so arrogant. He said he wanted to find the values. They had to be his values. Um, he didn't want his team to have input. He didn't know we were going to let them have so much input. And he just didn't want to do that. He wanted to start from scratch. And he defined them instead of we said that won't work. Um, you have a strong team here. It's made up of all these different entities that you brought together. You need to come together with one set of values. It was a huge contract. And at the time, we weren't getting a lot of large contracts. But we told him that wasn't going to work. And we talked to his um, CFO and told her that we were resigning for, and there would be no charge. Um, and we walked out. And it was tough because our team really looked forward to this large contract. And it was going to keep them busy um, for most of the year. But we walked out. We're always glad we did. We always kid about that one because that was the biggest one we've ever walked out of at a time when we um, should have probably, I mean, when we could have used that kind of money. So uh, we did it though, because it wasn't the right thing for us or for them. He later on got let go by the board and they got purchased by somebody else. Um, and the whole team was happy they were purchased because they kept in touch with us. We kept giving them advice on the phone, just um, how to get along with them because it just wasn't working. So that's an interesting component of things. Obviously, it starts at the very top. You're, you're, whoever that senior leader is, whether it's a CEO or a CEO owner or whatever that is, uh, is has to be bought in. And they have to be completely sold out in order for this to work in an organization. Given the fact that the CEO turn, even in really good companies at times, is often less than five years or there is a, a shorter shelf life, how much of that plays into the, the hesitancy sometimes of CEOs to say, are you sure that we, sh I'm not sure we should do this because it does take a while and it does require a lot of front end cost and time and energy that you might even see a little bit of a dip as you're trying to do this because it's shifting an organization oftentimes. How much are you having those conversations with CEOs that know that they inherently should do this, but man, they're looking at that horizon and going, I don't know if I've got enough capital to be able to get myself through this, knowing that the board it might even be pressuring them for results tomorrow or next quarter or whatever that might be. Um, and, and how do you have those conversations with CEOs who know it should be done, but they're really worried about that time frame? Well, and we have it not with just the CEOs. We're often talking to boards. And so I typically, if they have a concern, I ask to present to them. And so recently, we have a, most of our clients that we have, in fact, almost 100% right now are all referrals. So there's CEOs that have moved from one place to another. And one in particular, this is his third assignment. He just took over as the head of this organization, but he had headed part of it before and he knows it worked. And then we worked with him in a different, it's a medical world in a different hospital and he knows the outcomes. And so then he took a secondary job at a new organization and put it in and it worked in his part of the organization. And now he's the CEO. So he wants to do it for the whole organization, but because he knows 
that he will probably, as he's told them, he'd like to retire in two to three years early, but like to retire. So he asked me to go present to the whole board. The board is a long-term board. They're fairly young. They'll probably be there for a while. And then he also has the CFO he's training behind him and one other who are potential replacements because he believes that it's his responsibility to make sure this stays alive and well, which I think is the best case. It's the same thing that happened at Southwest. Gary Kelly took over and he had been there a long time. So the best case is when you have someone inside before you leave who buys into the entire model and obviously wants to be part of that. Um, that happened at Regis. I'm on the board of Regis Corp. And we had someone behind the most recent CEO, a uh, young guy who is now the new CEO and just loves the values model, was part of the whole operation when we defined them. So I think that's best case. But there are many cases where that isn't true and you bring them in. And in that case, we recommend that boards interview them around the values to understand that the people there, especially if it's a large organization that's taken you three to five years to make this happen, that you then have somebody who is buying into the same values. Now we've had CEOs come into those large organizations and we've gone to help them because the new CEO said, I just wanna, re just recently we had one in Texas, I just wanna reinforce that these are the values going forward with me as a new CEO. And that's the best case because they sit in the room, you all come together, you might change one, I don't know, you might even change some of the behaviors in this case, but at least that person buys in and wants to be part of a values-led organization. I always tell boards, you have to make certain that this organization, which is now all set, they love the values, they're living them, you've got a lot of employees who have made it really part of their DNA, um, and the organization's DNA, we need to make sure that new leader does help buy it, does buy into it. And good boards, that's what they want. Yeah, they see the long-term uh, re response to this, both in all of the metrics that are that matter most to them. And I, I think that's the messaging oftentimes is that when you do this, and again, the, the data backs this up, so it's not even a matter of, of subjectivity. Right. There is so much financial data around it alone of the best performing companies have a culture that is intentional uh, and, and it's That's built good. around those values. So uh, my final topic to th this morning for you is, is really around the, um, the, the current employees who are looking out at the world today. And we've had so much chaos in the last several years, both in the geopolitical world, the economics, the health, and saying to themselves, where did all these people go, right? right? When we had COVID and we have this whole disappearing uh, uh, workforce and companies are struggling right now, but you have people who are in organizations, how is it? Uh, how are we working with those folks to make sure that they are still bought into where we're going with all the chaos and all the changes that are going on around our values especially when tough decisions have to be made and they may not necessarily see the why behind it. And so yet it's still, this is why they join. This is why they are a part of this organization. It's why they care so much. And yet all the things that are swirling around them externally, now internally into organizations, uh, what are some things that you've asked uh, or helped organizations understand of how they actually make that uh, remain sticky for these, these folks on that retention side? This is a time to over-communicate, and as much as you can describe those decisions around the set of values, it will keep them alive. 
Um, we tell CEOs, now's the time to re-energize people. We're going to go through some layoffs, it looks like, um, in the near future. And as much as you can describe why that is happening and telling people the truth, when integrity is one of the issue, one of the values every CEO should have, even though it's hard, I think real CEOs and their values come out in the tough times, not necessarily the easy times. It's been tough for several years now for most people. And when you want people to follow you, you need to tell them the truth as tough as it is. But tell them the truth without, I mean, it's not not negative on the people you've had to let go. It's, it's part of the business where this is a tough time. And what we have to do is make sure those values stay alive and well. And when we have to let people go, we let them go the right way. Um, we take care of them on the way out like we took care of them on the way in. So do the right thing the right way because that also shows how you let people go. shows you shows your people as much about the values as it does when you bring them in. Um, if, for instance, during COVID, if you looked at what some of the organizations did, like Southwest, the reason most of their people have come back, even though I know they're having problems right now, um, some issues, though I think they will resolve them faster than anyone because they'll do it around their values. Um, they gave them four or five options. They told them they could early retire and they would give them an extra five years. They told them they could change their schedule. They told them they could take a leave for years without um, losing their seniority. And so how they treated them is why they're getting them back because they treated them in the tough time around the same set of values they treat them um, and use during the easy times. This isn't easy. This is when the great CEOs will stand out. Um, I do think, though, accountability is still an issue with most organizations and holding people accountable for getting results um, and around a set of values. Um, when they get those results, those are the people you're probably going to retain. Right? This is very tough. This isn't going to be easy going forward. But I still think the great organizations will come out okay because they're going to remember those values. I don't know. What do you think? No, I, I would agree with you. I mean, I think that the rubber always hits the road for leaders uh, when tough decisions have to be made, not just what those decisions are. Oftentimes, that's some of the easiest, at least to identify what those are in the background. Like we all know the levers we have to pull and, and uh, the things that we have to do. It's why we have to do them and it's communicating it. But I also think the messaging just by doing it is important as well. Like all those examples you gave of Southwest during the during COVID was a time when they weren't getting any revenue. Like this was not it's not like they were doing this and there was still a significant amount of revenue flowing through their coffers. Most people weren't flying anywhere. So this was a cost to the business as well. And yet they did it anyway, because I think oftentimes when we are in leadership positions, the, the, the results matter. How we get them actually matters more than just the results themselves. But most of the really difficult times, it requires us to sacrifice something that is beyond just our own personal wealth or anything else that is around us. It is often for the organization and convincing everybody along that spectrum that this is the right thing to do for the long term and we're going to take a short term hit because of it. It's still the right thing to do. I think a lot of times leaders struggle with that because they know inherently they should do it. But pulling that trigger to make those tough decisions and spending money you don't have to do the right thing by people for early retirement and all those things, that's going to cost them not just in the short term, but in the long term, because they've now extended something out that wasn't necessarily uh, but it now has to be guaranteed in many ways because oftentimes they're putting it into funds that that's the people's funds. They got to fund it somehow. 
Um, I think that I, I would say that's probably one of the biggest challenges. And then it, making sure that you repeat consistently the why. It's one thing to be able to have a nice communication, and a lot of bigger organizations have fantastic uh, communications departments. They do a great job on PR. They do a great job of internal communication, but it happens once. And then the message shifts and slides all over the place. I think that can be a a challenge as well because it doesn't necessarily repeat around the values or you try to squeeze in your decision and you figure out a way to manipulate it to sound like the values are important. And I think there's a – so I've seen a couple of those scenarios uh, with clients that that's been one of the biggest challenges is when you go back in or help them through these, you go, okay, well, let's look at the messaging because if the messaging is inconsistent or if you're trying to shoehorn in a decision and try to place a value around that and it really doesn't reinforce the value, everybody sees that and feels it and then they, and then it becomes disingenuous. So I guess that's that would be one of the areas that I see. I think it is a tough market and it's a tough time. Like we're just gonna, we don't even know what, I think the hardest part is, all the indicators that most of us have looked at from, from a financial perspective in the macroeconomics aren't telling us anything that we should be able to rely on because they're so polar opposite that um, we don't know what's around the corner. You know, one thing we're telling people, and JetBlue has done it now for most of the 22nd year, every Sunday night, the CEO sends an email to every employee about the week and what to look forward the next week, and then talks about what the news looks like, um, and then tells one story about someone living the values every single Sunday night without exception. Does everybody read it? I don't know. But is it out there to read? Yes. And do the families read it? And I think some of this is engaging families during the tough times, too, um, because you want to keep those A players and they're going to have opportunities. The A players are not going to be the ones you let go. The A players in tough times and the A players are not going to be the ones who aren't recruited. They're going to be recruited by a lot of people because I think we're coming into an arena where I may be wrong, but we're going to have fewer, better people. And those people are going to be people who are held, who are willing to be held accountable and high performers. Um, and Wall Street Journal had an article about not many A players are looking for a job. And people should be keeping those A players they have inside by re-recruiting them all the time. I'm totally, totally in agreement with that. But it does take time. And you have so many other things that you're worried about as a CEO and that we look at every day. And as you say, Nothing seems to right now be evident in terms of what is really going to happen. I mean, it's very interesting, the news, and very tough time for this whole country, I think. Um, But our A players, being a great leader, doesn't change. Over-communicate, re-recruit every day, every chance you have. And I tell people the thing that matters most to us, we put on our calendar for the day, um, and that calendar should have some time when you spend one-on-one with your people because this is a time it really is yes it really is now but it's also the hopefully the the people that are doing that today likely you can look back at their calendar and they were doing this in the good times as well that's why it's a habit for them and they and they prioritize it well as always uh, the conversations are so fantastic i just know that we are going to have an audience that's going to to gain a lot from this Uh, I always ask uh, guests uh, at the end of uh, every one of the podcasts that I host, is there something I didn't ask that you wish I would have that you wanted to share with our audience? No, I would just say 
one thing is it says a lot about your values by having these podcasts. And so I know that your people probably understand values are important and behaviors are important in your organization. And those leaders that get that are the ones that are continue to do a great job. So congratulations. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, I am walking on the shoulders of people like you who have done this and done it well. And, and uh, I've always appreciated it because it is not easy to do, but it's the right thing to do. And actually you get the most purpose and fulfillment of doing this. So I appreciate your time. I know that you are busy and I really do appreciate the fact that you were on our podcast. Anything that I can do to help uh, along the way, feel free to reach out. For our listeners and and those that are watching, please, uh, if you haven't already, go and buy the book, Built on Values. It is one of the best reads that you will ever have. It's not just a great read, but it has so many practical applications that you can uh, can implement in your organization. Uh, So I would highly recommend it. Uh, to anybody who is looking to go down this path and then reach out to Ann and her team uh, because they are uh, another wonderful asset to to, uh, utilize as you try to bring values into your organization. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Great to be here. Great. Have a great week, you guys. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening. To learn more, visit fcpservices.com. Until next time, Remember, people drive growth.